0: In 1926, two organizations were born that would shape the future of performing arts in Youngstown, Ohio. The Little Youngstown Symphony performed its first public concert, starting a legacy that would become the Youngstown Symphony Orchestra. Later that year, the doors to Stambaugh Auditorium opened for the people of Youngstown and surrounding areas. These are the stories, performances, and conversations of artists and supporters of these historic organizations. This is the 1926 Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 1926 Podcast. Today I'm joined by James Major Burns. James is the director for the Youngstown Playhouse's production of The Mountaintop. The Mountaintop will premiere on February 18th and will run Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays until February 27th. Tickets are available at youngstownplayhouse.org. Now let's welcome James to the show. Let's start out by talking about what originally sparked your interest in theater.
1: So, I feel like it's all um, performance. It's all entertainment. So, as a child um, in church, I always loved the singing. And my my grandmother, my mom, and my sister were in the choir. I always loved that. And then I just fell in love with some artists when I was young, like Whitney Houston Mm -hmm. and Michael Jackson, watching the Jackson's American Dream. So, I always love to sing and then when I was in school what teachers like to call interrupting the class (laughs) I like to call you know a stand-up comedy set I didn't realize that you know I was realizing people were laughing but I didn't know why they were laughing I just knew I was doing something so when I look back and see like those string of things that was like my stage Mm -hmm. this was my stage it was called uh insubordination but I just (laughs) I was just trying to make everybody feel good
0: sure yeah yeah I've heard of um some comedian has said that he would always interrupt class, and finally the teacher was like, all right, get up and do 10 minutes of standing. Oh. <laughs> would you have loved that? <laughs> yeah, that,
1: then I probably wouldn't have been ready. I'm like, no, I need to interrupt. Mm, right. that's, that's the funny part. Exactly. You're messing up my set.
0: Exactly. But uh. um,
1: I actually celebrated 10 years um, of performance in this that I consider my 10 years since I took my first uh, stage show in 2011. But I was in choir mm-hmm. and... Church choir at school and and then at church, but I took my first step on the stage um, in 2011 at Top Hat Productions.
0: Nice. What was the production that you participated in? Hairspray. Oh, okay.
1: You want to hear? You want to know what's funny? What's funny is I thought that we were just rehearsing at the Top Hat. Um, theater. And I thought we were coming to the playhouse, the Mm -hmm. Youngstown playhouse, because that's the only theater I knew. So we're a month in and I'm like, yeah, so when are we going to the playhouse? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, we're going to, this is the rehearsal space, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to go to the big stage. They're like, no, the show happens here. (laughs) But it was a, it it was a great experience. And I got to do, I ended up doing Hairspray two more times over the last 10 years. So I went from the ensemble to Seaweed. So it was a nice journey.
0: Nice, That's awesome. Uh, what aspect of theater has been the most difficult for you?
1: It's um, sometime embodying a character that I don't relate to in any way. Mm. So most of the characters I play or have played are similar to my personality and because that's what draws me to them. So I have similar traits, even if I'm not exactly like that character or person, it's a similar trait or it's easy for me to be uh, quick with it or try to be funny when that's who Mm -hmm. I am in real life. But uh, when I played Mr. in The Color Purple, I couldn't connect to him because I had, I was like, I don't know this man, (laughs) sorry to this man, but I couldn't, even though I knew men like him, I just didn't. I never wanted to be like him in real life. So sure. I was having this disconnect with him and I was judging him as a person. So I had to let all of that go to find a human side of him and then realize that I'm just still playing a character because mm-hmm. I was looking at it as so literal of a human being. I'm like, this is not me. And he does. it's a scene where he's, he he. it's a scene that I was like, I just don't want to do this. I don't want people to see me doing this, but yeah. it was Mr. It wasn't me.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a difficult role to
1: wrap your head around, I'm sure. Yeah, and it was a lot of things that went into it, just like how like I said, how he was going to be portrayed. I wanted to make sure I was bringing that energy because I don't do dynamic or dramatic roles like that all the time. So I was definitely hard on myself because I didn't want it to just be good. I wanted to bring a strong level, the same way people view me when I'm being funny.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can get that for sure. But you did an amazing job. So <laughs> Thank you. I tried. You it well. I loved
1: it. I tried. I tried my best. And one thing I've actually learned, I got an opportunity to do a show 72 times and it just taught me about how, you continue to get to develop a character. So, even when I haven't run in, I only have six shows, I'm still developing that character. So, every show I felt like I was learning more about yeah. him and he was, we were becoming the same person. So, I felt like by the last show, it was, it was the first time I did a show that I felt like my last show was my best performance yeah. because I just was looking forward to continuing growing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Um, what is your favorite aspect of theater?
1: Um, you know, when we did The Color Purple, because it was the first show after the pandemic, it was like, did you see Endgame? mm no. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, wow. I'm so sorry. I don't know where this is going now. No, that's but, okay. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm
0: sure the listeners have.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, well, in game when they were uh, just at their last wits and uh, the Falcon was buzzing into uh, Captain America's... Uh, And he was like, on your right. And it was like this spark of the magic that uh, Dr. Strange has to Mm -hmm. open up. When I was standing on the side of the stage um, one night at rehearsal, I felt like this spark in me that was like starting to come back. And I felt like I had lost it during the pandemic. And it's my connection to the audience. It's that exchange that we get. It's that we're, like, the show, we're really doing it together because when the audience there is there versus when they're not there, completely different shows. Mm-hmm. It's a wave. It's like the ocean. So I love having that human connection, and that's um, how I feel about life. Like, I love having personal connections with people, even if we aren't going to be friends. <laughs> like, when I'm here, I'm like, well, I'd rather have a great time than sure. just not talk to you. So it's that human connection that I get to create with my cast and the audience.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. For sure. All right, so you have had roles uh, at the Playhouse in Elf, The Color Purple, and Dreamgirls, but this is your first time directing, correct?
1: Yes, it's my debut.
0: Yes, so what what drew you to directing, and specifically, what drew you to directing The Mountaintop?
1: So, I was asked by James McClellan a mm-hmm. couple years bef- before the pandemic, of mm-hmm. course. He thought that... Um, I should think about directing. He said, I think you would be good at this. Mm -hmm. I think this would be a good show for you. Here's a script. You should read it. And, you know, he just wanted to throw it out there. So I read it and I fell in love with it. The creator, Katori Hall, I I know more of her work. So I was, when I saw that she created it, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, this is going to be good. So then after the pandemic, uh, Joshua William Green... Uh, who was the artistic director? Asked me, "Hey, we're thinking about doing this again." So I have to really think about it this time because of timing, work, and if I wanted to put myself in that position. Just as I continue to grow in my career, I'm like, "Okay, I know what kind of things I'm reaching for. Do I have time for this? What is it going to do for me?" Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, because sometimes I get into things and I'm like, "Oh, why did I do this? Yeah. I should not have done this." but I'm only two and a half weeks in and I feel like I made the right decision. It was the fact that it was a story about Martin Luther King, Mm -hmm. someone that I never met that I feel like I know, someone that I feel like loves me who never met me and was gone way before I was ever going to be born, but just really loved me. And I feel like um, I have a connection to him. So I feel like I had a connection to this story. Mm -hmm. And I like talking about things that mean I like writing about things that mean things. So the story about his last night on Earth, I was like, oh my gosh, how do we know? But it's a fictional story. (laughs) And I think what we do a lot as people is we fill in the pieces of, about people we don't know. Like I can be like, okay, you know, I met Kelly and she made, you know, she mentioned her husband or, so I can put together like, oh, how they may be together <laughs> yeah. or it's his last night on earth. You only can imagine what was going through his mind. Once, if you listen to his last speech, then knowing he went to his hotel room, then the next morning, you know what happens. Mm-hmm. You could put together a story. So somebody came together and put together a story and it's an image of Martin that you don't know. So I feel like a lot of people, unless you've seen it before, you're going to walk into this and it's just open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot like real life. But I'm excited. I'm so excited. And I'm, like I said, I felt so connected to this piece. And it was only two people. I said, oh, that's a great. <laughs> that's great. Let me go ahead, get my feet wet. It's only a two-person cast. This should be a great Um, opportunity for me to, you know, get out of my comfort zone, learn to be more direct, you know, say some things to get the job done. And I felt like it could really help me grow.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, What do you think makes preparing for a show with a cast this small different than a larger show, like say the color purple?
1: So you can be you have more time with just the two people to really work everything. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to feel like more pressure on the actors, I feel, because there are no, the eyes are all on you the mm-hmm. entire time. Sometimes in shows as big as The Color Purple, I feel like, um, or Dream Girls as the lead, it can feel like you aren't getting as much time because there's a lot of ensemble work. There's a lot of building and foundation that you have to build first. Then you get to these pieces and it depends on How many people are in the show? So in Dream Girls, if you're Dina in the dreams, it's most of them. So then they get more of this, but you might want more attention, but they have to give it to where it needs to go first. In this show, with just two people, you get all of the attention of the director, the assistant director, the stage manager. You get more um, time. You just get more to work with.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So give us a brief overview of what the mountaintop is about. Like you kind of explained a little bit of it, but do you want to go into it a little bit more?
1: Yes, I'll give you a little bit of details. (laughs) I think I may know a little bit. (laughs) So created by Katori Hall, it is, and I love how they open it. It is a fictional story about the last night um, of Martin Luther King walking on this earth. Um, April 3rd, we all know what happened April 4th, 1968 but we don't know what happened the night of April 3rd, 1968. So this is a peek into what may have happened. So Martin is in his hotel room, and along comes a maid. And little does he know that this maid is actually here to let him know what is going to happen with him. So they go through some things and, you know, I don't want to give too much away because I definitely want the people to come see it. <laughs> but they, it's almost like a flashback of his life in some things, but it is someone who's going to challenge him. It's a woman. So a lot of people like myself think that it's Coretta, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not. You know, what's interesting to me about going to see a show or a movie where you know the person dies <laughs> I'm still rooting for them to live. I know. I do it all. I'm like, there had to be something. Mean, we get to this episode. I'm like, there could have been something like, why didn't anyone think of this? Or why didn't someone do this? Why did this have to happen like this? There's so many options, mm-hmm. but that's not how right. life works. Right. No one sees all of these things happening and are happening at the same time in separate places. But that's what I think is going to entice these people. Like, you're going to see this. You're going to fall in love with them again. Yeah. And I love, I've, I think because I am an artist, I always look at celebrities or artists as the human first. Mm-hmm. So this is the human side of Martin. Mm-hmm. This is just this is just Martin, not Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther right. King, <laughs> it's Martin. You get to see the human side of him. You get to see that how he kicks off his shoes, how he relaxes, how he talks when no one's listening. And, you know, we all have that part of us. You have the part of you who the world sees, and then when you're at home, you're comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the perfect segue into uh, my next bit is that Katori Hall got some backlash for portraying Dr. King as a real human being. Um, she's quoted as saying a warts and all portrayal of Dr. King is important because this is—there's this an extraordinary— human being who is actually quite ordinary. I feel as though by portraying him with his flaws and foibles, we too can see as human beings who have these flaws that we too can be kings. We too can carry on that baton that he has passed down to us. So what are your thoughts on that quote? And what do you hope that people take away from the production?
1: I absolutely agree with her. And that's how I feel. um, It's exactly how I feel is that Uh, it's just like um, Hamilton for me. Uh, Hamilton was this great person, but then you see the show and you saw all of the things that he's done. So does that not make him a great man still? Or is he going to be judged on these... Uh, how are we judging the bad versus the good? Martin is still a great man. We know everything that he has done for us and what he was willing to do and where he put his courage with having a family and having a wife and small children that he could have just been at home with them. But he put his life on the line. But if you find out that maybe he had a gambling problem, does that now take away Everything that he stands for. And I think it helps humanize him again so they can see that we are, I said this to, I said this to the cast. I'm like that you are just like Martin Luther King. You standing right here on the stage, you equal to somebody. Even when you could work, you might meet a celebrity or so and you're just thinking like, Oh, I'm not worthy. You are absolutely standing on the same ground breathing the same air and we possess the same qualities and we possess the same traits. And just like you, Martin had those same traits, some good, some bad vices. But I, I love the fact that they show this out of him because in, with, in, uh, with comedy, it brings that lightness out of it. And it's relatable. Nobody's just this upright person, like great person at all times. So I think it's relatable and people want to keep that perfect picture of him that's not real. And that's, uh could be an issue for some people trying to portray something or have a facade that is not real. And I don't look at Martin as uh, the dream. I'm like, I know he was a man. And it's like a pastor. He's also yeah. a pastor. It's how people view their pastors or whoever leads their church as this perfect person. So when a scandal happens, they're like, oh, I can't believe how could he? Have he is a man. He's a human being first. And we possess the same traits. If he can, you can.
0: Exactly. And the the idea and the, the mythology of celebrity is, you know, detrimental in many ways. And I think that it's probably important for children still to this day to see someone who is a real human being doing things that really matter. So that being said, what do you what do you hope folks take away from seeing the show?
1: I do hope that they... Take away a moment to think more about things before they make a final assessment. Mm -hmm. Again, seeing the equality. I think uh, the message in the show is the equality. Even between Martin and the character Kame, Mm -hmm. a man and a woman, how they speak to one another was uh, expected in that era. It's the 60s. So Kame doesn't speak like a normal maid. She is from a place that he's not from, but she's intelligent. It's something he not used. he's not used to. She challenges him. You know, she's not supposed to challenge him. So it's that equality and all those things across the board. Like Cam May sees that Martin is a man and she's a woman, but they're equal. Yeah. But men thought, you know, women were a step down. They're the housewives. So I want them to take away that human experience of how you judge somebody. I want them to see that human side of Martin and how they look at celebrities still. It's like, again, that it's a worthiness that I want them to feel, a value that I want them to feel that we're all made the same. And even though it's an interpretation that she has, it's still preaching Martin in it. It's still a lot of Martin in it. And what I feel from him is always love and hope, encouragement, and one thing that we're living in today is something that he fought so hard for that he never got to see, but he sacrificed it. And the baton is carry on. It's, it's a part of that history. And I feel like I'm a part of that history. I, I'm so excited that I'm a part of like the mountaintop history, but even something connected to him to keep pushing forward and tell that story. Because words is a lot of what he did— propelled us forward. Yes. Some people, you know, actions are that too, but words do help propel forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything else you want to mention? Or
1: Yes, I would like to say that the cast, mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr., will be portrayed by Mr. Tay Stubbs and Kim May will be portrayed by Tasia Ford. Miss, mm-hmm. Tasia Ford. And then, you know, there's a director by the name of Trevelle Maurice, who just happens to be my wonderful stage manager, and he's <laughs> assisting me as well. And then I also have my good Judy uh, Thomas Fields, who is my assisted director at Liaison. Mm-hmm. I have my Madison family, Coot and Jacinda, who are my production team as well. Uh Johnny Picano, Ellen, uh La they're working on it. And it's, you know, it's yeah. my Playhouse family, which has become My chosen family. You don't get to choose a lot of things in this world. You don't get to choose what family you're born into. But the (laughs) people you choose to be around and deal with all the time, Mm -hmm. you know that's love.
0: Yes. And they're a very passionate bunch.
1: (laughs) Yes. And the show opens on February 18th, playhouse.org, or you could call the Youngstown Playhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm super excited to—I'm excited to be on the side. It's also teaching me a lot about being an actor. Mm -hmm. But I'm super excited to try to help these people get to that finish line, lead them to a victory together. And because it's just the three of us, it feels so personal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that it has been lovely being that person. They're like, thanks, Director James. I'm like, oh, that is me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, forgot. All right. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us. And uh, we look forward to coming out and seeing the show.
1: Thank you very much. And I hope you do. Get your tickets. You know, they might sell out. and
0: Believe them when they say it this time. <laughs>